When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello, welcome to Creature Feature, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host of Many Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and today on the show... Hail Satan! Alright, so we're not actually hailing Satan, but we are admiring some particularly satanic-looking animals who may appear rather devilish, but are mostly misunderstood. Join us as we explore these creatures of the night and day like the Dracula parrot, a very gothic gastropod, bleeding plants, exploding trees, and a beetle with a reputation of biblical proportions. Discover this and more as we answer the age-old question, can humans and birds unite over our love of fashion? Often, our love of animals is a beauty contest. We are concerned about the fates of pandas, koalas, tigers, and eagles, which is a wonderful thing, as these are wonderful animals. But sometimes it's harder to appreciate the more scary, dastardly-looking animals. However, you can't judge an animal by its cover, and you can't judge a bird by how much it looks like an evil witch's familiar. Joining me today to panic about Satan is fellow podcaster and horror aficionado, Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. How are you? Thank you so much for joining me, Megan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited, too. I wanted to do this episode for a while. I have been collecting examples of animals and also plants, exemplary examples of goth style. I know that like goth style, there are many different styles of like goth. I know that goth isn't the same as like Satanists and (laughs) also, you know, death metal is its own whole thing. So there's a bunch of different styles, but I think there's a case to be made for all of these creatures they really fit into that general vibe of of goth or death metal or, you know, 
Satanism. <laughs> but the fun, but the fun, friendly kind. You know what I mean? Yeah, these are these are hardcore, but like also kind of adorable. Right, exactly. Which I think a lot of uh, quote unquote Satanists are. I I know that a lot of people like are what is it like the sa- Satanic Church where they're not like they're not really oh, we got to sacrifice virgins level (laughs) Satanists. It's more of sort of this almost activism of religious freedom. They're not actually sacrificing virgins is what I'm saying. No, from, and granted, I was, I was raised Catholic. um, And so Mm -hmm. like everything in my upbringing about like Satanism and everything like that was very like, don't do that. It's demonic, da, 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 da. But like, yeah, don't, don't. Don't hail Satan. <laughs> I would say that's a major tenet of, I'm not religious personally, but I do know that in Catholicism, don't hail Satan <laughs> is a big is a big thing. That seems to be Catholicism 101 or just really Christianity right. 101. <laughs> don't hail Satan. <laughs> but like as an adult, everything I've heard about Satanists, yeah, seems to be more like and it seems to be actually pretty inclusive and progressive and it's not like yeah it's almost kind of like people are doing it ironically like it's not actually like they worship the devil yeah it's hipster (laughs) hipster satanist yeah it's and i imagine i imagine some like hardcore satanists who are actually into like virgin sacrifice are like oh all these hipster satanists (laughs) like i was into satanism back in 1812 back before (laughs) it was cool um, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it's more like actually being progressive about like very much standing for just in terms of like what I've heard lately is that it's it's more about like, yeah, as you said, freedom and pushing like women's rights and just generally speaking, kind of being anti-religious fundamentalism that wants to take yeah. us back several steps. Yeah, yeah. Similarly, I think goth style is not, it's not necessarily about being cynical or really down. Like, I think it's, there's a lot of sort of goth style where, and I'm, personally, I'm not a goth. I I like bright colors (laughs) and way too much, but I mean, there are pastel goths. So, you know, I think it's more about embracing a sort of counterculture aesthetic. And so, you know, on that note, I want to take a look at some animals that are super duper goth looking. And I think I want to flip the perspective on these of like, they're not scary looking to me. I mean, maybe to some people they are, but I really want people to appreciate how awesome they are. And like a lot of these things that look really scary and satanic are really cool and really fun. And sometimes like really nice and sweet. (laughs) Like there's some really cute things going on here that just they look a little demonic but they're really cute (laughs) there's a a comic book artist i used to follow way back in the day named tess stone who very much described his style as candy coated horror sort of scary imagery but also bright colors and if these animals are an example of sort of cute but also kind of scary i i i'm i'm excited to see what's in store Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's like skeletons, but they're having a tea party. (laughs) (laughs) That's my kind of party for sure. So, Megan, do you want to learn about the Dracula parrot? Yes. Um, (laughs) Does he have uh, an adorable cape and maybe, maybe scarf of some sort? 
Yes, he does. Absolutely. So this is Pesquet's carrot, or also known as the vulturine parrot, but I've seen sort of it being called the Dracula parrot. I'm not sure if it's officially named the Dracula parrot or if that's just kind of a nickname that people have been giving it, but it's a, it's a good name for this guy. So they look like the Bram Stoker Dracula version of a parrot. Yeah, I can definitely see the, the Bella Lugosi-esque uh, <laughs> resemblance, yeah. Um, yeah, he's got uh, a black head and it like the black feathers extend to his breast, but his wings and like sort of most of his body are red. And then he's got like black tail feathers as well. That's so cool. Very dramatic bird, I think. So these are found in the rainforests of New Guinea. They are fairly large, so about 18 inches from head to tail, which is 46 centimeters. So that's a good-sized parrot. That's a good amount of bird. They have a black vulture-like face with leathery skin instead of feathers and a long hooked beak. So that's why they're also called the vulturine parrot, because they have a sort of vulture look going on. But they do have some feathers on top of their head. So it looks kind of like the, the front of their face looks like a bit like a, a black vulture, but then they have a mohawk on top of their head. It really looks like a cyberpunk goth <laughs> version of Dracula, if that makes sense. Yeah, he looks like he's here to make a statement. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, and he does have that kind of regal Bella Lugosi look or Gary Oldman Oldman? Old man. Yes. Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman and, from uh, the 90s film. And that terrible, <laughs> yeah, in the terrible 90s film where uh, where Keanu Reeves seemed more dead than the dead guys. But, you know. <laughs> oh, I have a soft spot I, for that movie, but yes, it's yeah. not. I mean, same. It's not Francis Ford Coppola's best work. <laughs> no. So while this parrot looks like it would suck blood from virgins, they're actually frugivores, meaning that it eats primarily fruit. So it loves figs. That's its favorite fruit. And it will sometimes just delicately sip nectar from flowers. So these are little sweetheart birds. I'm picturing like an anthropomorphic version of this um, having a tea party, like extending its <laughs> pinky as it sips very regally. And and maybe mm-hmm. it has the Gary Oldman top hat. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen What We Do in the Shadows, the, the movie mockumentary? I sadly have not. It's been on my list of movies to watch for ages and I know I'm going to get so much flack for admitting that I haven't seen it as of yet but no I have not it makes me think of that the whole vibe of that movie of like oh they look like fierce vampires but then they're kind of like they're kind of cute <laughs> <laughs> I mean they do kill and eat people and but you know still again they do it cutely in a lovable way <laughs> in a lovable way so that bear leathery face that looks kind of scary like a skexis or like a vulture it actually does serve a similar purpose to a vulture's bare face so vultures have a nude face and neck because they dunk their heads in carcasses and if they had feathers blood and guts and all sorts of goop goopy goop would get on their feathers and that's bad and Vultures, despite their bad reputation, are actually very hygienic. They serve a wonderful purpose. They 
are the undertakers of the natural world. They dispose of carcasses. They're actually the terminus for a lot of diseases. And again, they're very clean. They're very fastidious. They'll they'll clean their face. They, I mean, they do poop on themselves <laughs> to keep cool, but who hasn't done that once in a while? But like the vulture, the Dracula parrots, their faces are bare so they can kind of go right into a fruit and get all this sticky fruit juice on their face and it doesn't it doesn't like stick to their feathers and because can you imagine like putting a feathery face in like a fig and pulling it out and then your feathers are just all clumped together with fig juice i have a hard enough time just keeping myself clean as i eat fruit so yeah i can only imagine what that would be like if i didn't have thumbs yeah, like if you were covered in feathers and you didn't have thumbs. <laughs> Nightmare scenario. I think that's like a that's like an ancient human punishment, right? Tar and feathering. But I, I like what you said about the, the vultures sort of getting a bad rap because that is very much, I, I feel like probably something you guys unpack quite a bit in this show is that like there are a lot of animals that get a bad reputation because of how they look when in fact they serve a very important a uh, very important purpose in uh, their particular ecosystems. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of all the creepy crawlies. I love spiders. I love vultures. I love snakes. I think, and even honestly, some of them are genuinely dangerous, but I still like them, <laughs> so. Oh, yeah, you can admire from afar. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The Dracula parrots, they look a little spooky, in my opinion, in a really cool way. I think, I don't know, I think that even people who are scared by some animals, like, they're going to look at this bird and be like, yeah, that's a cool kind of spooky. Yeah. That's like a radical kind of spooky. I like that you brought up Skeksis, because, yeah, now that you've said it, I'm like, that, yep, it looks, he looks like he could be in the Dark Crystal for sure. Yeah, like a Skeksis, but with a really nice fancy robe and maybe an ascot on <laughs> i would actually love if like whatever the next big fantasy film to come out i want the evil wizard to have one of these guys as a pet yeah i want this to be the evil wizard <laughs> yes in just a giant a giant bird exactly did you, yeah did you ever see or that um ewok movie way way back in the day Ooh. I don't remember which one of the two Ewok movies it was, but... Like one of the... Was it the Christmas special? I saw part of the Chewbacca Christmas special. Thank goodness, the no. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the one of the standalone Ewok movies, there was an evil witch in it who could turn back and forth into a bird, and I thought that was really cool. Like, interesting. this, this bird definitely looks like it could be an evil witch or an evil wizard yeah. for sure. Yeah, or what we think is an evil witch or wizard, but is just misunderstood. But yeah, it's actually just a really <laughs> cool, laid-back, chill dude. <laughs> so these are very social birds, actually. I mean, this is, again, like, goths are seen as being very antisocial, like human goths. I don't know that they are. I think that they're just really, they can be really into a counterculture, but also be very pro-social. <laughs> And the same thing for these guys. So they are often seen together in pairs or in large groups. And I, I know that, so when you guys see a photo of these beautiful birds, you're gonna want one as a pet. You're gonna be, wanna, you're gonna wanna be the person on the block that has this awesome Dracula parrot. Unfortunately, I think that the pet trade is having a really bad impact on their population. So their species is vulnerable due to the pet trade 
And in my opinion, admittedly, not a goth, but I think that commercialization is like super not goth. I think like the commercialization <laughs> of animals and stuff is like that. That's that's not goth, right? Goth isn't about that. No, that's such a sellout thing to do. <laughs> right, exactly. That's po- that's poser sellout things to do. So yeah, I, I would not I would not recommend getting these as a pet. I would recommend admiring them from afar. Oh, and they are beautiful. They are so dramatic. I love just the absolute theatrical melodrama that these birds bring because they have a call that sounds like a squeaky old door flapping in the wind on a stormy night. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm gonna play this for you. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That absolutely sounds like it would it would be a, a sound effect in a haunted house in a, yeah. a terrifying ghost movie. Yeah, <laughs> or exactly. an episode of Scooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> it's really nice fully work by these birds. <laughs> They're so wonderful. They are so wonderful. So now I want to basically look at the gastropod version of this bird. That's a good segue. That makes a lot of sense. So there is a giant red and black goth snail that is, I mean, it is beautiful, maybe horrifying. I don't know. I like it. So this is Platyma tweedie, which is a rare large land snail found in Malaysia in a very limited area in the montane cloud forest on the peninsula. So it's about as big as a human hand. So you, you could hold this guy. And they have a jet black shell with a bright red trim. Their heads are black and then that kind of like turns into a gradient. And then it's like full on bright red near their tails and on their bellies. Oh, yeah. No, this thing is like the, the red in it is so bright and vibrant. I have trouble believing that this is a real photo and not like something right. photoshopped. Like, um, did, did you ever have an easy bake oven when you were a kid? I did, yeah. Um, there was a boy version of easy bake oven um, that oh, was marketed yeah. to, the, to kids. Yeah. Creepy crawlies. The creepy crawlies. Yeah. Yeah. Cre- yeah. I remember those ads. Creepy and you would- crawlers. <laughs> In the ad, they would always like show the boys like scaring the sister with these things. I'm like, why is she scared? Yeah, no, those candy. Are, those are bugs. cool. Wait, were they were they edible? I don't remember. Were they edible or were they just like goopy? Toys? I don't believe they were edible. I I believe I it was literally like I think if you had made them edible, like somehow like they felt like that wouldn't be good for boys because it's too yeah, close maybe. to to cooking too close to cooking <laughs> i don't know uh, i do remember an edible version so like with the but with the creepy crawlers you would pour some kind of polymer substance rubbery yeah thing and into a mold bake it and it'd be these like bright colored bugs yeah this looks like like something a, a kid would make from yeah. those old creepy crawlies ads. And I mean that. Yeah. I mean that in the best way. It looks You really mean it in cool. a flattering way. Of no, course. I understand. <laughs> yeah. No, this, yeah, it, it looks fake. It looks photoshopped, but it is not. They are, they are extremely rare and there's very little research about them. And which is too bad because they are 
also becoming victims of the exotic pet trade, which is a little disconcerting because there's not much information about how large their population is. They're extremely limited to like this very specific altitude in these montane cloud forests. So not only is the illegal pet trade potentially harmful to a very small population, also it's hard to raise them and breed them in captivity and people find that they have very little success because they are so highly specialized for their natural habitat they and a very specific altitude, which is something you can't recreate. You can't like, I don't know, like put your pet snail in a little terrarium and put him on a weather balloon so he's at the right altitude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's that's heartbreaking. Like, I understand the motivation because I see these guys and it's like, I want this as a pet. You know, I want him to hang around on my shoulder and I feed him little leaves and stuff and we just like hang out, me and my And we're best know, cool friends. <laughs> and we're best friends, me and my cool goth snail friend. But yeah, it is, I think people don't necessarily, because there are some animals that we can keep as pets, but then these ones, unfortunately, the pet trade is potentially very bad for their population. And it's also, I don't think you're going to be able to successfully keep and breed these. They will probably die off, which is going to be sad. Yeah. Habitat loss also threatens these really incredible snails. So, you know, if you're a conservationist researcher looking for a new subject, these seem really cool. And I'm not just saying that because they're cool and goth and have a nice ass well okay maybe i am so what <laughs> but they're cool and also in need of help exactly exactly don't you want to be the person who saves the goth snail absolutely the like I, I like you said i totally understand the the motivation for wanting these because even just looking at these pictures i'm like i want that but right but you can't like, you, like yeah. just because something looks cool doesn't give you the right to it. And yeah. yeah. And I mean, like, you know, I think that humans are, we are kind of like collectors by nature. You know, we, we like collecting things, which makes a lot of sense. But I think that an attitude of just appreciating that this guy is out there in the world living is also really fun and cool it's like yeah there's a cool black and bright red goth snail with a black shell being a total emo drama queen somewhere <laughs> and that's great i love to live in a world where that is true yeah he's beautiful but he's not a pokemon you can't <laughs> he's not a pokemon. you can't keep him he's not yours i mean he does come in a pokeball though <laughs> yeah i mean yeah like if i I'm pretty sure that if there's not already a Pokemon that kind of looks like this, I'm sure that in the next game there's going to be one be. just Get like on it. <laughs> Get on it, Nintendo. <laughs> so the next goth animal I want to talk about are umbrella birds. Again, we're back to the birds. Birds are just really good at being dramatic. Bird uh, is the like, word. It's just the bird is the word. <laughs> and the word, the word is goth chic. So... Umbrella birds are a genus of birds who are all <sighs> ridiculously flouncy looking, I think, if that makes sense. So <laughs> uh, umbrella birds are found in the rainforests of Central and South America. They're in the Cotinga family of tropical forest birds. The umbrella birds are a really 
fancy, goth, dramatic, just, I don't know. I'm thinking of like Morticia Adams, Adams, except male. Yeah, the very Adams family, except it's the males, of course, that are the most dramatic. So I guess more more of a Gomez situation going on here. It's it's funny that you say that because, yeah, like just kind of looking at um, the way the 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 feathers on their heads are shaped, it kind of reminds me of like old Victorian ladies with big hats and feathers sticking out of them. (laughs) Did you ever see that Guillermo del Toro movie, Crimson Peak? No, I didn't. I do like Guillermo del Toro, though. His version of Victorian fashion is very much what I'm reminded of while looking at these birds, <laughs> for sure. I can I can visualize that somehow, even though I haven't seen it. I can you're, that painted you're like, a yep, perfect. Yeah, yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah. So there are three species of umbrella birds. There's the Amazonian umbrella bird, the bare-necked umbrella bird, and the long-waddled umbrella bird. So... The general description of all of these birds is that they're all black birds about crow size. They could even be confused with crows, except that they have this huge flamboyant pompadour hairstyle and huge wobbling neck waddles. So actually not that much like a crow, actually. (laughs) The best description I can think of is rockabilly goth. (laughs) Uh, like if a rockadoodle decided that black was his color. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Like if rockadoodle went totally goth. <laughs> yeah, so the they have this crest of feathers that, like you were talking about before, it like forms this like pompadour. Like in, and for the young folks out there that don't know what a pompadour is, it's like this basically like Elvis hairstyle that shoots way out of your head. It's like a cone of hair that just shoots out of your head. It's what like Uh, greasers used to do, I think. Exactly. Greasers, but pumped up to the max. Have you ever heard of the Tokyo Rockabilly Club phenomenon? No. What? So there is a group of performers and rockabilly enthusiasts who have for years met up at the Yoyogi Park in Tokyo to dance and to perform and to celebrate rockabilly culture. And they have some of the best hairstyles I've ever seen. They have the best pompadours who that like defy gravity <laughs> almost. It's just, incre- it's incredible. And they're incredible performers as well. They They will do these really cool rockabilly dance routines. And it's, it is extremely awesome i highly recommend checking out one of their performances ain't the world a magnificent place just like <laughs> i know i know things are tough right now but like right it's seeing it's hearing and seeing things like that that make me go yeah you know what the world's pretty awesome sometimes yeah. when i think about like why i want to fight for our world it's things like both birds and humans are fighting to preserve rockabilly culture <laughs> <laughs> It's wonderful. What other planet? What other planet do we have both birds and humans rocking this excellent hairstyle? You know what I mean? And this and it's it's things like that that can bring us all together. It's exactly. Exactly. So these birds are much more than just their really cool hair. They have that umbrella-like crest. That's why they're called umbrella birds. I mean, I would call them pompadour birds, but whatever. It's fine. Umbrella <laughs> birds does roll off the tongue pretty well. They also have an inflatable waddle. So a waddle 
is typically a it's kind of like a tube of flesh that hangs down from the neck. There are other birds that have wattles. Think of a turkey. You know, they have those those like long neck dangles that are usually red and purple. And it's typically a sexual organ because it is involved in attracting a mate. So this tube of feather-covered skin descends from its neck. It can inflate it. And it helps amplify its mating calls. And it looks like a black dramatic feather boa just hanging from its <laughs> neck. Yeah, or, or like a scarf. Yeah, for sure. Feather boa it's, is perfect. You kind of have, I'll include links to this in the show notes. You kind of have to see it in action because it really wiggles and jiggles and just kind of is imagine just the most dramatic like rockabilly goth guy like flouncing into a room tossing a black feather boa over his neck and then like singing you some kind of intense romance song and that's basically the strategy that these birds have when it comes to mating (laughs) i was thinking like very broadway like yeah this would like looking at this bird it's like very Broadway costume like I have to make sure that the people in the back of the auditorium can see how fabulous I am right now yeah just feel the emotion radiating off of my neck waddle (laughs) (laughs) so the bare-necked umbrella bird has the kind of the black hair crest and pompadour thing its inflatable neck waddle is actually bright red and featherless so kind of kind of a a nudie version you know whatever floats their boat honestly i'm not judging and then the long waddled umbrella bird wins the award for wait for it the largest waddle of the umbrella bird genus (laughs) wow who'd who'd have guessed it (laughs) (laughs) and the award goes to I know, like, there are a million animals, and so coming up with names for all of them must be must have been very, very difficult. But it's really nice when there's just one, like, that that's just on the nose, and you're like, I didn't have to jump through any hoops for that. It's it's a it's got a long waddle. It's the long waddle umbrella bird. Right, exactly. I mean, at a certain point, you run out of like, like, what are you gonna say? Like the the fancy long waddle? No, it's just got a long waddle, right? It's like, <laughs> what do you want? What, what am I gonna say? Am I gonna call this like a Gary bird? I don't know. Just it's got a long waddle. All right. I have fifteen hundred other birds to name today. <laughs> We're moving on. I named this bird has a beak bird. I'm running out of ideas. <laughs> Is that really the name of a bird? <laughs> No, sorry. No, but no. But the fact that I had to well, ask maybe. you to double check. Right, exactly. I really should have just played it off like, like, yes, of course. I'm deferring to you. You're the expert. Who would question me? The Audubon Society? Maybe they would, actually. I don't know. Oh. It's not the first time I've had the Audubon Society track me down, but that's a story for another day. So the... Their long inflatable waddle can be retracted in flight or lengthened to impress the ladies. Just, I don't know, visually picture that. This living tissue feather boa getting like cinched in or being extended depending on the the bird's mood. Oh, goodness. (laughs) As it gets longer, like, yeah, hey, ladies, how you doing? (laughs) Hey, ladies, boo. (laughs) 
so they their waddle can be as long as their whole body and they can also make their their little head crest stand erect like as if Elvis could make his hair like kind of like go whoop like when he's trying to impress women. Does it look does like it... a mohawk when it does that or or is it more like um the entirety of their hair is standing up? It just poofs it up. Okay. It just makes adds more volume, adds more style in to my, these birds. In my head it was going from being a pompadour to a mohawk and then back again <laughs> and I will never be able to unsee that. <laughs> A convertible hairstyle. Maybe in the future we'll get one of those. That'd be cool. I would watch that cyberpunk movie for sure. Yeah. Maybe These Matrix birds... 4. Matrix 4 is happening. <laughs> These birds actually do remind me of a real person, a goth I just saw on the street. And God bless this wonderful person. He was wearing a full-on black trench coat and this is during like COVID times. So he was also wearing a matching black face mask that like covered almost his entire face and neck other than his eyes. Uh, I think he even had like an umbrella. It was absolute high drama fashion and absolute function, like high, <laughs> uh, high COVID couture. I-, I loved it. It was great. I mean, I think... It was, I know I sound like maybe I'm making fun. I'm actually really respect this person because they are rocking their style and being socially responsible. And I think I have so much goddamn respect for that. <laughs> form and function. Yeah, I don't know much about the fashion world, but form and function together and right. like ad- adhering to this style that you're very committed to, that, right. that deserves to be commended. Right, like I'm a goth and I am socially responsible. I'm a goth who cares about your grandma. That is beautiful. So much respect for this person. Thank you so much. And it says so much too just about the nature of this, uh, how serious this issue is because like we we talked earlier about how the goth movie is very counterculture and it's like, no, we're like – I'm not going to go out and not wear a mask. Like, I'm not conforming by wearing a mask. It's just the right thing to do. It's counterculture, not (laughs) counterhuman. Not counter counter your grandma. Exactly. (laughs) And if there's any goths out there, or you don't have to be goth. Could be rockabilly. I don't care. (laughs) Anyone with a particular fashion perspective who listens to this show and you've got you've got a cool face mask style that that you like to rock out like yeah show it to me I'd love to see it but yeah absolute absolute respect for people who are maintaining their individuality but also being socially responsible really appreciate it same and then teach me your ways because I've (laughs) never been like fashion like fashion wise I've never been on top of it so please please teach me your ways Maybe you could get a lesson from the Umbrella Birds. I would love that. (laughs) Nothing would make me happier. (laughs) Some of our younger listeners may not know what the Satanic Panic was. In the U.S. during the 1980s and 90s, a conspiracy theory emerged that there were widespread Satanic rituals that left behind a string of murders and abuse, and even that the world was being run by Satanic witch cults. 
While there was no actual evidence of there being a bunch of murderous satanic cults ravaging the countryside or running the world by sacrificing virgins, the conspiracy gained popularity, especially when law enforcement and certain therapists used now discredited techniques of extracting, quote, memories from people, using suggestive or coercive hypnosis and interrogation. When a potentially vulnerable person, such as a child or someone seeking mental health assistance, is faced with an authority figure, that authority figure can have a concerning amount of sway over that person's mental state and memory. Perhaps creepier than the idea of satanic cults is the idea that you can indeed affect memories in people, even unwittingly. Many of these therapists and interrogators may not have even known they were creating fabricated memories, but their techniques, which they thought were forcefully extracting memories, were actually creating them. In 1986, a woman sought therapy for a family issue. The psychiatrist used hypnosis and staged exorcisms, convincing the woman that she had been in a satanic cult as a child, had eaten babies, had killed her own childhood friend, which of course was not true, and had 120 personalities, including angels and animals, which also included a duck. Later, the woman realized these were not memories, but fabrications, and distressing ones at that, so she sued the psychiatrist and won. In 1997, University of Washington psychologist Professor Elizabeth Loftus and Jacqueline E. Pickerel wanted to investigate how these tragic and irresponsible abuses of power could occur. They conducted a study in which participants attended two sessions where they were told to remember certain childhood memories. Some of the memories were accurate, provided by family members, while others were fabricated by the researchers. They found it only took two sessions to convince almost 30% of their subjects that the false event took place. While it's unlikely you could convince a random volunteer that they took part in satanic rituals, someone in a stressful position, such as in an interrogation room or clinical setting, may be more vulnerable to these mind alterations. So remember that time we were walking in a forest and a tree started to bleed? No? Well, let's make some new memories together after a short break. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers... 
Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Sometimes we don't give plants enough credit for being creepy. There are plants that smell like rotting carcasses to attract pollinating insects, such as Rafflesia. There are plants that are carnivores, trapping insects in their jaws, like the Venus flytrap, or in a sticky pit of doom, such as pitcher plants. And there are some plants that just love to be super extra horror dramatic. So, Megan, do you like plants? Uh, I mean, I do. Flowers and trees and I'll, I'll be honest, I kind of miss seeing them. <laughs> I miss being able to go outside and just pass by a bush. Yeah, I know. Just t- touch a tree, stroke a, stroke a shrub. I know, right? S- slow uh, down and smell the roses. <laughs> I miss plants too. So this whole section is dedicated to plants, specifically satanic goth plants which are pretty great so i think that people often underestimate plants and their ability to just be super creepy super dramatic and i want to talk first about the desert bloodwood tree who already wins a prize for that name that's a great name that's a great name (laughs) that's like hey, hey people out there who are Bored and trying to start like a metal band right now. Desert Bloodwood Tree. There you go. Did it for you. So this tree is found in the Australian desert. It has rough bark and thick leaves. It grows up to 50 feet tall, which is 15 meters, which is pretty good. It's in the same family as eucalyptus. It kind of looks like a eucalyptus. Maybe the bark is like, it's not like smooth, um kind of bark it's pretty rough um but here's here's the thing is when you cut into it it bleeds what looks like thick oozing red blood so i there's a picture of that for you it looks like it looks like a tree that has like a big oozing scab wound (laughs) and it's not just like it looks like any old type of blood it looks like straight up hammer horror film movie blood (laughs) Uh, yes. Like, did you ever uh, did you ever see Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow? I saw part of it, I think. <laughs> I think when I was a kid I saw it, and I think some dude's head got chopped off, and then I stopped watching it. That checks out. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, the Headless Horseman would make his entrance in and out of, like, this crazy tree, like, in and out of hell, and, like, ah. there are a bunch of dead bodies there. And I'm looking at this, and I'm like, this, like, just seeing that bright red color on yeah. like on the bark of a tree as it's drenched i'm like i'm getting very tim burton sleepy hollow vibes from yeah. this. it it does look a little bit like a bloody portal to hell that just 
<laughs> closed up or is just opening up. Exactly. Yeah, it looks or it makes me think of, you know, like, I don't know, some kind of horror story where this tree is a dryad. And then if you cut into it, it like bleeds human blood. Yeah. Or l- l- like the land is cursed or something yeah. like that. Like <laughs> Exactly. Oh uh, yeah, this this looks like it would be right at home in some sort of horror fiction, and yes. I'm just like, I want to throw some of my favorite horror writers at it. I'm like, see this picture, <laughs> and then tell me, weave me a tale. <laughs> I want to throw them directly at the tree. Like, look at the tree, feel its blood. <laughs> look at it. <laughs> so this blood is actually, as you might have guessed, sap. So sap is kind of like tree blood. It's often, so like trees will produce sap that can be used as a defensive mechanism. So like, you know how insects get trapped in amber? So when you cut into a tree and it oozes this like sticky sap out, that's a defensive technique against little, little beetles and insects that try to like bore into the tree. So this is, this just happens to be bright red very blood-like sap yeah which is interesting (laughs) what any idea what causes that i'm not sure but i think it's because of a high concentration of tannins in the sap so tannins give trees and other plants a sort of dark tint it's actually what makes tea dark so that that might be what it is whatever whatever it is it's remarkable Yes, it's it's. I think it's kind of pretty as long as you uh, ignore the fact it kind of looks like a flesh wound. <laughs> it it also reminds me of those fountains you can get for Halloween where it's like a blood fountain and yes. it just kind of like you put in like fake blood and it's like <laughs> bright red blood fountain. Yeah, yeah. Um, if if I if you weren't explaining this to me right now and I I just saw this like out of the blue or out of context. I would assume that this tree was sick somehow, that like right, some sort of right. fungus got got into this tree and that it was causing it to die. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it looks it looks injured. <laughs> looks badly hurt. So the crystallized sap has actually been used as an antiseptic by Aboriginal peoples for many, many years. So it's a very well-known tree by people who have lived with this tree. And it actually is able to grow what are called bush coconuts or bloodwood apples that can be eaten. And that's a whole interesting story in itself. So these bush coconuts are warty growths on the trees, which are also called galls, which are made in reaction to the larva of a scale insect. So a scale insect is like, they're these little like dome-shaped insects that feed on the tree. They kind of look like barnacles a little bit, but they're insects. And when their larvae like kind of worm their way into the tree, um, the this is a common tactic of parasitic insects that prey upon plants. So the parasitic larva will induce a gall to grow. So either by injecting a chemical or just by injuring the plant. And then the plant grows this like kind of tumor growth around the larva. And that tumor growth actually has a lot of nutrients inside it. It's it's kind of in a way similar to tumors in a human body. 
So like a tumor in a human body will send out these messages to the body to supply it with blood and help the tumor grow and give and basically steal nutrients from the healthy parts of your body. And so these parasitic larvae that induce this gall or like this like weird tumor are kind of doing the same thing. They're tricking the plant into uh, putting a bunch of nutrients into this little protective ball. But if you are a hungry human, you can pick a bush coconut from the tree, crack it open, I mean, like a coconut, and the inside kind of looks a little bit coconut-like because it has this like white flesh on the inside, which is from the tree, and it's full of starchy nutrients. And you can also eat the larva because that is free protein. You know, I was and- on board until you mentioned the larva. Because well, you know, if you think, <laughs> sorry, go. <laughs> oh, no, I was just going to say Bloodwood Apples is like the coolest name for a fruit like ever. I know. I do want to, I mean, maybe this is too revealing about me, but if you said like, this is a Bloodwood Apple, it makes me want to eat it more than a regular <laughs> apple. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like that, that's what this reminds me of. It's like, this is something right out of a dark, right. grim fairy tale. Right. It's like that Drake meme. Like, you're like, orange? And I'm like, no. And then you're like, what about a blood orange? I'm like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You had me at blood. (laughs) Like, bloodwood apples just sounds, like, marketably so cool. (laughs) I know. I know. Well, but, you know, if you think the larva is gross, uh, I mean, I know that we are conditioned, uh, especially in the U.S. and... and, um, to see insects as, you know, gross. But we do eat honey. At least I do. I love honey. Honey's delicious, yeah. Honey is plant nectar that has been processed inside of bee bodies and regurgitated. So, you know, it's all a matter of perspective. (laughs) That's a great point, you know? (laughs) It's important to, yeah, you like before you what? turn your nose up at something, you recognize right. where a lot of uh, a lot of commonplace foods right, come from. Right. I mean, beer and wine is bacteria poop. You know what I'm saying is you're a hypocrite unless you eat larvae. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've convinced me. If if I ever Good. get the a- opportunity to have a bloodwood apple, Good. I will eat well, I've a got bloodwood a- apple. I've got a big old sack of Bloodwood apples I'm going to send to you. Please ship to you right now. Do. Like, it, <laughs> I don't. I'm sorry. That was a joke. I don't want to get your hopes up. No, but like, <laughs> doesn't that sound like something an evil witch would keep inside of her wood, inside of her woodland cottage? Like, Again, I just like have a this- bushel of Bloodwood apples. <laughs> we're, bu- we're creating a character, I feel like. We have... A witch that turns into a Dracula parrot who has a bunch of bloodwood apples. Like, and and obviously we say this with no disrespect to any anybody who practices um, to any witches. Yeah, to to any any practicing Wiccans out there. Right. But no, we're talking about straight up storybook witch. Like, let yeah, that that's what we're talking about. And we're talking I am, about Snow White, Snow White witches that go around killing girls or thinking doing it in a weirdly roundabout way now i've got i've got some choice words for the snow white witch because it's like you could just you could just kill her you know like what's with this whole like and she won't go into an eternal sleep unless some guy kisses her and she's really pretty so i can't imagine any guy kissing her good plan 
She idiot. tried like outsourcing it because she tried to have mm-hmm. the woodsman do it and he he decided not to. And so she's yeah. like, I'm going to roll up my sleeves and get my hands dirty and do it myself. And she picks the most, yeah, circuitous roundabout way uh, of going yeah. about dispatching her enemies. And it just yeah. seems, yeah, it just seems horribly inefficient. Look, you're just like, hey, Snow White, come here. I'm your queen. And she's like, yeah. And she's like, and now I stab you. Done. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not advocating for it. I'm, I I don't want Snow White to get stabbed, but I'm saying it just doesn't make any you sense. Know, maybe the queen didn't actually want to be a queen. Maybe she wanted mm. to be an actor. And, mm. and But you can't really do that when you're royalty. You have a country to run. And so she was just using this as an excuse to do a bit. I think she was using it as an excuse to live the hag lifestyle. <laughs> I think she wanted the hag lifestyle, but she didn't want the hag responsibilities. So she kind of just wanted to moonlight as a hag, and this was her way to do it. Like, yeah, you know, I can't think of any other reason. <laughs> no, I can't either. I think we solved it. We solved Snow White on this podcast about animals. We got to the bottom of that mystery. <laughs> So now I want to talk about another ghoulish and spooky tree. Ooh, spooky. (laughs) This tree doesn't have as cool of a name. It's called the sandbox tree. The sandbox tree is like the body mod goth of the tree (laughs) world, you know, like with a bunch of piercing and spikes and body mods. So this tree is found in the Amazonian rainforest and in other tropical regions in North and South America. Its bark is completely covered in huge, nasty-looking thorns. So I've got a picture in here for you. It's just all thorns, basically. Consequently, it is sometimes called a monkey no-climb tree, which I like that name a little better, actually. It's <laughs> straightforward. It's like, it's again, like the, the naming convention of the long-waddled umbrella bird. It's like, monkeys don't climb this tree, so this is a monkey... Do not climb, tree. No more monkeys climbing on this tree. (laughs) (laughs) So if that's not misanthropic enough for you, it also has toxic caustic sap that has been used by fishermen to poison fish, again, rude, or used to lace poison weapons like poison arrows. If that's not goth enough for you, it has exploding fruit. This tree is so metal. Oh my gosh. It's, it's so super, cool. It's very, I would say it's a little extra. So <laughs> you're like, okay, dial it back a couple notches. Dial it down, Tim Burton tree. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's very Helena Bonham Carter where it's like, Helena, just sometimes you're a little too much Bonham. Like, there's a little too much Bonham Carter. Like, I get that you are actually Helena Bonham Carter, but sometimes, like, you're. Extra Bonham Carter, and I need you to dial back. Sometimes a we just bit. want you to be Helena. That's all. Yeah, That's just enough. A, yeah, That's enough. Just give us the Helena and not the Bonham Carter. <laughs> <laughs> now, is this fruit also poisonous? I think if you eat it, you get super bad diarrhea. So yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> probably. So don't. So I would I would say that counts as poisonous. So hard um, pass on this and go back to those bloodwood apples. Well, it's a soft pass because of the diarrhea. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so the they have fruiting bodies again. Simmer down, Helena Bonham Carter. But they look like tiny black pumpkins. <laughs> Which is just so cute. At this point, 
at this point, this is like the live journal or Tumblr of a goth kid who's like making their OC character tree, which is like, and it's got spikes all over and its sap is poison and its fruit is poison and its fruit are little black pumpkins. It it like, does feel a little edge lordy as far as bit. trees go, right? <laughs> like I didn't feel like the like the bloodwood tree was trying too hard. This tree no. actually, yeah, it does feel like it's trying just a little right. hard. It's like it sees the bloodwood tree, which has got its whole cool aesthetic going on. And it's like, well, I've got spikes and <laughs> I've got like black pumpkins. And oh, did I mention they explode? Like the hobgoblins bombs. Yeah, that's that's how cool I am. Yeah, I'm basically like a Spider-Man villain, basically. <laughs> so, that's how hardcore I am. I don't know why we made it sound like a teenager. Well, this I mean it's like it, it yeah. kind of deserves it, all this drama. So these little black pumpkin capsules are seed pods and they explode once they're ripe. So they start out as green when they're unripe and then they turn black and then they explode naturally and they distribute the seeds over 100 feet away from the tree and the explosion causes the seeds to fly at 160 miles per hour, Holy which is 70 cow. meters per second. Yeah, it, which is why it's also sometimes called the dynamite tree. Oh my which, gosh. Yeah, again, a little I don't know, maybe a little overboard, right? <laughs> like I get I get it you're a you're a tree, you want to distribute your seeds because it increases the chance that the saplings will be able to grow because they need to be able to grow without being covered by other trees. So you don't want to like compete with your own baby saplings. So that's why trees have invented all these methods of distributing seeds over large areas. But it seems like a bit of an excuse to be a drama queen. The, uh, like, granted, I'm not going to be strolling through the Amazon anytime soon. But could you, like, mm-hmm. imagine just, like, walking through a forest and all of a sudden, like, these these fruit explode and going <laughs> like right? and it, it just, going 160 miles per yeah. hour it just flies like oh man that yeah, that like must if be I terrifying got, yeah if i got like tree seed shrapnel in my eye just like <laughs> while walking through i feel like at that point i would realize that there is an angry forest god who does not want me around <laughs> i would never go outside again <laughs> which well i have good news for you <laughs> I'm kind of living that life right now. (laughs) Speaking of staying in, I hope everyone is practicing good dental health. No, this is not a segue to an ad. It's a segue to the bleeding tooth fungus. What? So do you want to talk about some bleeding teeth? Bleeding teeth. (laughs) Well, I do have a dentist appointment in a couple months, so (laughs) probably better to prepare myself now. Right, right, yeah, yeah. I, um, so again, another another cool band name idea: bleeding bleeding tooth fungus. I think uh, to me that's like a that'd be like a techno goth kind of thing, you know? Like I, like tech. I think it's like the knockoff version of bleeding gums Murphy from The Simpsons. That's the first thing that I comes see, yeah. to my head. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, I'm, I think you're right. I think nature copied the Simpsons. Simpson did it. Simpsons nature did it. Just copied Simpsons them. Did yep, it. Simpsons did it. <laughs> <laughs> 
So this, the scientific name of this, let's see if I can pronounce this in one go. Hydnellum pecai. That sounds great. That's awesome. I sound so smart. <laughs> I sound so smart. That's such a cool name. So it has a few interesting nicknames. Like I mentioned, bleeding tooth fungus, also called red juice tooth, strawberries and cream, and the devil's tooth. One of those things is not like the other. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know, right? It's like it's like devil's tooth, strawberries and cream. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. Who are you? Who invited you to this naming meeting? <laughs> Just imagine all these like really glum goth scientist in this meeting to name this fungus and then this one very cheerful cheerful lad going why don't we name it strawberries and cream it reminds me of my favorite snack (laughs) and then we cut over to the next one and he's like no way devil's tooth (laughs) i'm curious to see what this looks like because i'm like what which name is more fitting so i'm looking at the picture now and, like, I, I kind of get where the guy who was, like, strawberries and cream is coming from. Yeah. But, like, I, think, <laughs> I don't necessarily yeah. know if devil's tooth is what I would have initially come up with, but I can see how, how the name applies. I would say molar covered in jam. <laughs> you know, you know how, like, um... There are those like seeing eye pictures where like mm. um, it's like you look at this picture. It's like, oh, what do you see? Well, I see two women's faces looking at each other. Right. And the other person goes, I see a vase. And then the right. person who did the, who's holding up the picture is like, well, you're both right. You're just looking at it from different <laughs> perspectives. I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> that guy needs to commit to one or the other. <laughs> He needs to not stop being ambiguous with his art. But no, that's kind of what I'm I'm seeing with that. The, like looking at this picture, I'm like, oh, I can totally see the guy who's like, what do you see? I see strawberries and cream. And the other person's or like, a devil's I, tooth, you know, no big deal. I see the devil's tomato, 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 tomato. So this fungus is found in North America, Europe, the Middle East, Korea, and Australia. So it's safe to say that it's probably taking over the whole world, but whatever. At this point, <laughs> it's fine. Don't worry about it. What's some Last of Us fungus going to be happening right now? <laughs> that would be pretty. I-, I think that'd be kind of creepy. Terrifying yeah. in yeah. real life, but and pretty metal in a video Weirdly game. appetizing. Weirdly appetizing <laughs> zombies. So what we're seeing here, uh, and I do encourage you look it up. I also have a link in the show notes to a photo. So the fungus is a white kind of. It lo- I can see why it's sort of like uh, tooth-like. It looks a little bit like a weird, funky-shaped molar. It has a bunch of tooth-like projections, actually. Um, yeah, that that one definitely that bigger one definitely looks like a molar of some kind. Yeah, yeah. It also it like it's like a molar that has a bunch of teeth on the molar too <laughs> because each of those like little little tooth-like projections contain spores, but the you can't really see those as well. That's just a fun little detail. It's like a molar that has teeth, which is cool. <laughs> and then it looks like it is just bleeding a bunch of bright red blood or, I don't know, maybe strawberry jam. It's hard to tell sometimes. It's like you think you come across a murder scene and then you taste it and it's like, well, this is strawberry jam, murder solved. Why, this is just corn syrup. (laughs) There is this viral image and I cannot attest to the 
veracity of this so so please forgive me if this was a fake but I, it was like this little dog lying on the floor and it looked like it it was like this little white fluffy dog and it looked like it was covered in blood and then you got closer and it, it was like it's totally fine it had just gotten into jam it was covered in strawberry oh, jam God. and it had fallen <laughs> It had fallen asleep because it ate so much strawberry jam. It was taking a little jam nap. Oh, <laughs> oh, silly puppy. I guess you could say it looks like a big, weirdly shaped molar covered in blood or jam or whatever. The bleeding aspect of it, where it seems to be oozing these droplets of blood, is actually called gutation. So this is where a plant or a fungus will sweat out sap. So it can, it looks... On a plant where the uh, gutation droplets are actually clear, it looks like dew drops, but the plant is actually excreting sap, almost like they're sweating. And weirdly enough, the red pigment in this fungus, the sweat of this bleeding tooth fungus, actually contains antibacterial and anticoagulant properties, which, I don't know, that's cool, I guess. That's really cool. The fungus is actually a symbiote. Symbiote. The fungus receives carbon from the host, and the host receives minerals from the fungus, so they have a cool exchange there. And this, uh, you know, like if someone dared you to eat this fungus, do you think you'd do it? No. <laughs> like, on the one hand, yeah, no, like... It it just it looks like blood blisters. It looks like a bunch of blood blisters. I would never I would never eat anything resembling blood blisters. <laughs> this fungus is actually not poisonous, even though it looks super poisonous. It looks but like it, it does, would murder you. <laughs> it looks like it would murder you. It looks like it it like w- would murder you and then absorb your blood to make more blood. But yeah, it. It is not poisonous, but I wouldn't go around eating it because apparently it tastes really gross. Also, in general, unless you really know your stuff about mushrooms, don't eat any mushroom because like you may think like, oh, I know what this mushroom is. It's fine. And you eat it and it's actually a different mushroom that looks almost (laughs) exactly the same that makes your butt fall off and your eyeballs bleed. So, you know, (laughs) careful around mushrooms. No, like, yeah, only, the only mushrooms I eat are, are the ones I get from the supermarket, so. Right, yeah, that's probably probably safe bet. I, I would be very tempted, though, like, if I could be assured that this was this type of fungus and it's not going to kill me, I'd want to give it a little lick, just the little one, I was know? just about to say, I, like, like, knowing that someone out there looked at this and went, I'm going to eat it, and, <laughs> and then went, yep sure is gross like that to me is mind-boggling i'm like who looked at that and went oh let's i think i'm gonna taste it no (laughs) can i can i be honest here i think that would probably be me (laughs) yeah like i mean like if i knew it wasn't gonna hurt me that would be me that would be like if i knew it wasn't poisonous i'd I'd probably you know what probably happened in in that mouth it was it was the strawberries and cream scientist who was like, ooh, I think I'll give it a little yum, taste. Yum, yum, Oh, no, this doesn't taste like strawberries and cream at all. I have been bamboozled. And he's like, we must change the name. They're like, too late. Sorry, you already submitted it. There are no take backs. And he's like, oh, fiddlesticks. Well, on to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ah, oh, scientists are, they spend, not very many people know this, they spend 80% of their time just naming things. Like bird scientists. I know, that's where all those government grants are going, to the, to the naming rooms. The naming chambers. <laughs> are you an aspiring witch? You'll have to become a botanist first. There are many plants that are associated with witchcraft or the supernatural. Mandrake plants, a genus of flowering nightshade, have roots that often look a little bit too human-like, leading people to believe that they really are a small humanoid figure with supernatural properties. They're said to be able to scream and kill those who hear it when being plucked from the ground. So people would tie the plants to dogs to trick the dog into uprooting the mandrake. Fortunately, mandrake plants can't kill you with their scream, given that they can't scream at all. What they can do is send you on a wild trip. They contain hallucinogenic alkaloids, which may have led to the belief that they can be used in witchcraft to meet with a devil. I mean, if by having a meeting with the devil, they meant getting high as hell. And if you're thinking of trying these out, either to conduct a ritual or to, quote, meet the devil, I'd advise against it. They're super poisonous and will cause vomiting, diarrhea, dizziness, among other nasty symptoms. There are much less unhealthy ways to meet with the devil, such as writing him a nice letter in the blood of your enemies. When we return, we're going to meet a few satanic creatures who aren't so bad once you get to know them. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. 
From black cats to bats, there are all sorts of animals who have become scapegoats for evil. Sometimes they're literally goats. Goats have historically been associated with the devil and witches in European folklore. And while it could have something to do with those devilish horns and weird looking eyes, it could also be due to Greek mythology surrounding the satyr, a horny, drunken goat man who engaged in all sorts of weird sexual pursuits. But more generally, I think we like to blame animals for evil because it makes us feel better about being human. If animals or beast-like creatures are the real monsters, then humans are free of sin. And sometimes we even justify mass beetle murder by saying it will cleanse our souls. So, Megan, under what circumstances do you think you would hail Satan? Um, probably none. <laughs> I see. I mean, that's fair enough. As I said, I was raised Catholic, and I'm not very religious these days. But, mm -hmm. like, because of that upbringing, I have it instilled in me to, like, not mess with certain things. Like, I, right. I don't, like, I know it's just a game, but, like, I'd never play with a Ouija board. No, <laughs> like I, I, can, I can understand that. Look, I understand that. You know, personally, I, I don't personally hail Satan. Uh, again, I, I am all for religious freedom. So if you do choose to, you know, I think especially in the Middle Ages and stuff, religious people were always accusing animals of being various forms <laughs> of Satan. So I think if Satan actually was all these different animals, that would that would earn my respect. Like, you really? You can be all these animals all at once? He, is Satan just an anamorph? Like, right. Are that, you an, an anamorph Satan? If so, that's cool. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. That would be really cool. Like, <laughs> I maybe, maybe I would hail Satan in the scenario in which he's an anamorph and he has right, right. one of those cool cube things so that I could be an anamorph too. Yeah, that's all I needed to hear. <laughs> and he's like, now your soul is mine. And I'm like, wait, no. Your soul is mine. Also, don't stay as an animal for more than two hours or you'll be that animal forever. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. I wasn't sure. So I ask you that question not to trick you into a life of sin and depravity, <laughs> but because I want to talk to you about the devil beetle or the devil's coach horse beetle. So it, this is a long, black, stinky beetle who has been thought to be associated with the devil since the Middle Ages. What? So, <laughs> grows about an inch long. It's jet black. It's found in Europe and Northern Africa. It kind of, I guess the best way I can describe it is it looks like a giant flat ant with a long segmented tail and wings. It looks like somebody took a rolling pin and just kind of flattened out an ant. Does that make sense? Yeah, that I feel like that's a good description of it. It it yeah, cuz it it doesn't really look like a beetle to me. It, it right. it's too it's too narrow in my mind to be a beetle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it is not an ant. I don't want people to be confused. It just ha it looks a little bit like that. Now, obviously its body is not segmented in the way that an ant is. It doesn't it doesn't have that little wasp cinched in abdomen. It's just kind of, it's got like a, it's got an ant-like head. It's got these big mandibles and then it's got um, a couple of body segments, you know, sleek, sleek, modern. Like, um, yeah, sleek and modern. Like, uh, <laughs> like it's the iPhone of beetles. <laughs> exactly. Like the black, the black iPhone of beetles 
got like, that nice matte black like beetle noir uh, <laughs> right right yeah exactly i'm not the biggest insect fan but like i say yeah. like we were talking about at the at the top of the show certain animals get a bad rap and i feel like a lot of insects like this one where they're mistake they could easily be mistaken for something that they're not is an excellent example of that like if i saw one of these in my home i would probably assume it was a it was some sort of ant and it it would be unwelcome in my space but like yeah uh, like which is unfortunate because yeah i it doesn't it probably like beetles uh, typically as far as i know and granted i'm not a zoological expert but Beetles typically, uh, like, don't really hurt people, right? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, they can sometimes give you a nasty bite. These ones actually, uh, those big mandibles are capable of a bit of a bad bite. They don't inject venom. You leave them alone, they'll leave you alone, typically, right? Basically, (laughs) yeah. I mean, some beetles do spray caustic, stinky juice at you, which these ones do happen to do. But, I, I, you know, they only do it if you deserve it, really. (laughs) So, in English folklore, the devil beetle was said to have eaten the core of Eve's discarded apple And instead of being regaled for not wasting fruit, it has been ostracized for being evil. (laughs) And thus, the beetle obtained the knowledge given (laughs) given to Adam and Eve, and it started its own beetle society. (laughs) And this beetle was like, oh, no, I'm naked. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeepers. (laughs) Oh, no. Um, They've also been slandered as helping Judas find Christ. So they allegedly narked on Christ by using their tails to point in the direction of where he was hiding. And what's interesting about this one is it's at least tangentially related to these beetles' behavior. So the devil beetles do curve their tails upward like a scorpion, but it is not to tell you where Christ is hiding, to like cheat at hide and seek with Christ. (laughs) But... It is actually a threat display that they do when they're feeling threatened and they're warning you that they are about to shoot some stinky yellow goo at you unless you back off. I always appreciate an animal that gives you a heads up about what's about to happen. I always like that. Yeah. What I think some of these like Middle Ages religious people did, like some, some... religious person was like saw this and then continued to pester the beetle and the beetle's like don't do it i warn you and then they just like kept poking at it and then it shot stinky yellow goo at this person and then this person is like furiously writing like and the beetle helped <laughs> judas to find christ and they should all be destroyed and the beetle is actually a witch in disguise and <laughs> <laughs> we must burn all beetles well, you know, it's funny you say that because in Ireland, the protocol was that you had to burn these beetles and not what? step on it because, again, witch rules, I suppose, because you had to burn it to kill the devil beetle. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like stepping on it wasn't good enough. <laughs> right. I like to imagine they had like very small scale inquisition where you like construct a tiny pyre for this beetle or like... <laughs> Put it in a tiny Iron Maiden, try to get it to confess. <laughs> tiny pyre, and you would literally just light a match. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, like, how 
I, I feel really bad for animals that like get stigmatized like this mm-hmm. um, by just human society of people just not knowing any better. Yeah, exactly. Um, used like black cats. It. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm like looking at this and I'm like, this it's a wonder this thing isn't extinct given <laughs> we thought they were evil and would probably yeah. try try to murder them any chance we got. It's it's a yeah. wonder they're still around. It's almost as if some sort of dark force is helping them. (laughs) It's crazy how, like, humans seem to be like, oh, this is a thing I don't understand. We must kill it. In European folklore, it's said that if you kill one of these beetles, you will be forgiven for seven years of sin, which seems like a really convenient excuse to feel good about crushing an innocent beetle just because it's stinky and bites you sometimes. I mean, come on. Uh, that's a li- uh, like, you can make up for the fact that you, like, I don't know, lied on your taxes or something like that. Right. <laughs> you committed tax fraud, and so you're like, it's cool. I'll just crush a bunch of beetles. I'll just kill a few beetles. And, and we'll yeah. be squaresies. It's all good. <laughs> I murdered someone. How many beetles do I have to kill? (laughs) (laughs) Like, until we're we're all, like, even Stevens. Like, I'm fully prepared to murder as many beetles as it takes because I just love killing. That is such, like, middle-age European thinking. Like, rationale, yeah. Like, (sighs) I burned a city to the ground. I guess I got to kill a beetle now and we're all squaresies. (laughs) I lit the... Like, uh, what year did, like, London catch fire? I guess that wasn't the Middle Ages. I think that was more like the 1700s. But, like, like oh, yeah, I burned all of London. But it's cool, guys. I killed the devil beetle before <laughs> guess, I did, so. Yeah. Guess who also burned in that fire? The devil beetle. <laughs> so, really, I think I came out ahead on yeah. this one. <laughs> I mentioned earlier sort of the pastel goth, and I want to put forth the case that flamingos are pastel goth because <laughs> they, of course, are that beautiful, vibrant pink. They're kind of these like, basically, you would think that, oh, a flamingo, that's the anti-goth. But no, <laughs> have you seen a picture of what looks like them vomiting blood into their baby's mouths? I have not. I can't say I ever have. So someone actually sent me this viral video on Twitter, and I'm really sorry I would credit you. I cannot find the tweet for the life of me, but thank you so much, Twitter user. And it looks like a flamingo stabbing its partner in the head until it bleeds, and then the blood runs down into the chick's mouth. So basically, you've got one flamingo on top of the other. It's got its beak on the flamingo's skull. It looks like it's stabbing the flamingo in the head and this blood is like running down the flamingo's head and into the baby's mouth. I have a video of that for you to watch. Oh my gosh. Like just from your description, that sounds so metal. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you think I'm just going to show you like basically a flamingo snuff film, um, it's it's okay. (laughs) It definitely, yeah. It looks like they're they're like yeah like flamingo murder is happening right now. Right, like like I have stabbed your head to feed my child, but <laughs> so there's there's more to this story, and this is actually a very sweet and loving video. So 
This is actually a confused flamingo parent trying to feed its chick crop milk, but accidentally letting it dribble all over its partner's head, who is also feeding their chick crop milk. Aww. So that that sounds really <laughs> probably confusing to people who are like, wait, birds milk? What? <laughs> birds are not mammals, so they don't have mammary glands. But crop milk is a fluid produced in the bird's crop. So the crop is a muscular pouch near the throat where food is stored and awaits passage into the rest of the digestive system. And some bird species can use this crop to process food for their chicks. So pigeons, doves, and penguins create crop milk. In pigeons, it's actually called pigeon milk, which a little... You know, I love birds, um, but if someone tried to say, like, here, you want to drink this room temperature glass of pigeon milk, I think I'd faint dead away. I'm good. Thank you for being so considerate, though. <laughs> oh, appreciate the offer, but I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good, actually. I'm good without the pigeon milk, but thank you. I, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate the offer. The I appreciate is- your hospitality. Yes, thank you. I pr- the thought is what counts. Well, you did think I would want pigeon milk, so that's not a great thought, actually, now that I think about, think about <laughs> and that. I was going to say, and then I would flee from this person's home and never <laughs> return. So crop milk is a fat and protein-rich fluid produced by the lining of the crop. In flamingos, crop milk is produced not just in the crop, but b- glands in the entire upper digestive system. So the reason it looks like blood is probably because of the high density of carotenoid pigments that they collect from their diet of algae and crustaceans that are all rich in beta carotene. So that's what also gives them their pink color. So flamingo chicks actually come out with sort of grayish white feathers. And as they mature into adults and eat enough of this beta carotene, it turns their feathers pink. So, like, all of this is basically a big misunderstanding. The flamingos are just innocently basically regurgitating milk from their insides (laughs) into their chick's mouth in a very sweet parenting move. (laughs) Um, Nothing gross happening here. Nothing gross. No, just parental love. Their crop milk actually does contain, quote-unquote, blood in a way. Like, it has red and white blood cells in it, but it's it's not really like blood it's not <laughs> it's you know, not it it's it's not like we we were making dracula jokes earlier <laughs> it's not like <laughs> feast upon my blood fleshling right exactly exactly yeah and i i don't think it's that color because of the red blood cells i think it's that color because of the the carotenoid pigments that they get from their diet i love that factoids about flamingos so much is that they're not yeah. naturally pink it's it's all in the diet yeah, I mean, if a human being basically overdosed on carrots, your skin would turn a little bit orange. I mean, you'd have to have, I've seen a lot like, oh, if you eat too many carrots, your skin is going to turn orange. But I think you have to eat insane amounts of carrots <laughs> for that to happen. Like, because carrots do actually have keratin in it. Um, but like it is, you it, it would be just like grotesque amounts of carrots. Like you would have to be, on a 
almost disgusting carrot regimen, like with like a conveyor belt, putting a carrot in your mouth every minute, every day, I think for your skin to turn orange from carrots. Again, hard pass. <laughs> I like carrots, not that much. You can wash it down with some nice pigeon milk. <laughs> oh, you know, I was just thinking to myself about how hungry I am because I haven't had lunch yet. Mm-hmm. But yeah. now I'm not at Fix all. Fix that for you. <laughs> I, I, I am good. <laughs> it's called the creature feature diet where you just lose your appetite. <laughs> In fact, I don't think I'll ever eat again. Oh, that's not, well, (laughs) that's not doctor approved. (laughs) This podcast does not sanction that diet. (laughs) No, 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 it doesn't. Guys, eat food. Food is good for you. Eat food or you will die. Yeah, yeah, that's that's actually scientifically true. Maybe, (laughs) maybe you don't have to drink pigeon milk, though. It could make your bones strong, but you don't have to. (laughs) Just stick to regular milk. Yeah, you just stick to regular cow teat milk that we <laughs> suckle from cows. Totally normal and totally good. We turn the weirdest things into food, don't we? <laughs> we do. We really do. You know, we scoff at like at like bloodwood apples and pigeon milk, but here we are drinking cow teat juice, you know? That's that's yeah. that's sweet sweet juice from the cow teat. It it is funny. I was making fun of the guy earlier who decided like, hey, I'm going to eat that mushroom. I'm going to eat that fungus right. to determine whether or not it's delicious or gross. And then he was like, ah, I tried it and now I know it's gross. Like I yeah. was making fun of him just now. But someone at some point in time, yeah, was looking at a cow and decided, uh, I'm going to drink that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and it's just See, such oh. a weird idea. I would never. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, like, oh, this this object came out of this chicken butt. I'm putting it in my mouth now. Bada bing, bada boom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've I've pulled this weird root out of the ground. I'll, I guess I'll eat that too. Oh gosh. Yeah. That. How did we do it? How did we figure it out? <laughs> I legitimately don't know. <laughs> I think a lot of people died on on the on that kind of like quest to find edible things that animals poop out. <laughs> A lot of trial and error in that Yeah, quest. a lot of trial and error in the whole, like, which animal excretions can we put in our mouth uh, <laughs> sort of adventure. Well, oh, Lord. <laughs> so to end the show, I want to talk about one of my favorite geckos, which, yes, I do have a favorite gecko, and it's the satanic leaf-tailed gecko. He's so cute. He oh, my is- gosh. So amazing. Look at so, him. He's so cool. He looks like a dragon with no wing. Like he looks like Satan's dragon, but he, he doesn't have wings. But other than that, like a satanic dragon made out of lava and fire and its eyes are made out of fire. It's amazing. So this is the Europlatus Fantasticus. So and it is called Fantasticus because, again, that's like from the word Fantasia or fa- Phantasm, where it's like it, it is fantastic looking. It, is it looks so like an imaginary cool. creature. So it is, uh, it's a little guy, so like a baby dragon. It only grows about three inches. And it really looks like it's made out of living fire and brimstone. So it's got red 
eyes. It's got skin that comes in a variety of hues of black, reddish brown, gold. It can even have a purplish hue and oranges. And its tail looks like a dead leaf and it has a number of spines all over its body and it even has these like notches in its tail and skin to make it look more convincingly like a dead leaf like you know how dead leaves have those like kind of like brown notches as the leaf is decaying yeah and it's got like these little fleshy horns over its eyes and it is indeed a form of crypsis to try to make it look like the leaves that you would find in Madagascar that are dead or dying or changing color. And it allows them to evade predators or to sneak up on their insect prey. I'm just a harmless leaf. Don't worry about it. It's fine. I'm just a dead leaf. It's (laughs) fine. (laughs) It has a last ditch maneuver where it can open its mouth and it has a bright red mouth that I guess spooks predators, but it's also kind of like funny. It's like a stoplight kind of (laughs) like, like as if a predator is like, well, the light is red. So I guess, wait a minute. (laughs) Hey. And then then it's gone. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're absolutely beautiful. Again, look up picture. I'll have a picture linked in the show notes. But they are they're they're like if if you told me to come up with like a satanic dragon, I don't think I could have come up with something this cool. The uh, like it's funny that you bring up like lava and that it's very dragon esque because like um, did you did you ever get around to seeing Frozen too? No, I I want to, but I haven't seen it, unfortunately. Um, Not to give too much away, but there's like a little fire salamander in it. It's very cute cute and very adorable. When I think fire lizard, though, this is more what comes to mind. Yeah. Like, this is so cool. It looks like the Balrog, but a lizard, a cute lizard. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. You know, just like that that Tolkien-esque description of it being like living fire and smoke. But in a little lizard body. Like uh, well, a gecko body. It's it's not really a fitting description, like looking at all the orange hues on it and everything mm-hmm. like that. But there's something about this this little lizard guy that makes me keep thinking of the word obsidian. But that's mm. that's not like that's not an accurate <laughs> it's not an well, accurate obs- descriptor of what it looks like, but that's the word that keeps coming to mind. But obsidian is volcanic glass, so maybe, you know, it's like on its way to becoming <laughs> vol- obsidian. Ah. Oh. So cool. It really is cool. And like other leaf-tailed gecko species, it can actually bark and scream when threatened. So that's cool. Just imagine this thing screaming at you. A screaming fire lizard that, (laughs) like, can open its mouth and seemingly, like, emits red light. Yeah. (laughs) So cool. (laughs) I love it. Like, yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like, you can't make that up. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. Like I wanna be I wanna be like a Game of Thrones queen, but I'm just covered in geckos. <laughs> I have so many of these geckos. It's like, can they fly and breathe fire? Well no. But they're cool, right? <laughs> <laughs> like you hold it up in your hand and you're like Dracaras and it just opens its mouth and it's just got its little red tongue. <laughs> yeah. Just eats eats a mosquito. It's like that mosquito defied me. <laughs> and you're like all my enemies will kneel before me. <laughs> 
that that little beetle would not bend the knee. <laughs> and so I had to burn it. <laughs> well, more like eat it. But anyways, are you not intimidated? <laughs> also, that beetle was totes evil. So like, I'm super cool and free of sin. <laughs> because this this lizard did that on my behalf. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I'm into it. Oh, Just, man. I would say a better ending to Game of Thrones, in my opinion. But hey, what do I know? The bar was not high. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I, I hope you learned a lot, maybe converted to Satanism. I don't know. Not, <laughs> not that that was my goal or anything. But yeah, this this is really fun. I, I love I love animals that just go full spooky. Ah, they like the world is magnificent, and it is. It's it's wonderful getting a chance to learn about you know creatures out there that you might not have like ever heard about before. And like I had never heard of this cool Satan leaf-tailed gecko before today, <laughs> and I had never heard of the umbrella bird or. Or any, really any of these things. And so or it's... The, or the uh, strawberries and cream <laughs> slash bleeding tooth fungus. It's, or pigeon milk. It's just, uh, you know, again, I've, I've been staring at the inside of my apartment for a long time now. And yeah. this is a nice reminder that the world out there is wonderful and weird and beautiful in every way. Yeah. Full of beautiful animals and exploding trees. <laughs> exploding trees that want to be Spider-Man villains. Right. And, and um, you know, horrifying birds that, <laughs> that stab their significant others in the head to feed their young. They don't, though. That's slander. <laughs> All they're doing, they're simply vomiting. <laughs> they're simply regurgitating bird milk. And that is, I think, a beautiful thing. It is. Like, I, again, <laughs> nature is weird and wonderful, and I I think we should appreciate how weird and wonderful it is. I agree. Thank you for joining me on this learning journey. Thank you for uh, having me and for teaching me. I'm so of happy. Of course. Uh, do you have anything to plug? Um, uh, well, I'm Megan Salinas again. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Manguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams where my roommate and I talk about horror things. And nice. I have a Lost retrospective podcast called No Love Lost where my co-host Will Link loves Lost and I don't. And we talk about it. And Is it Lost Lost like the, the, the plane crash show, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, like I, I was a fan of the show and then the show had its ending and I decided I wasn't a fan anymore. The whole idea behind our podcast is that we're going back. Um, we have to go back. Uh, we're going back to the beginning and, you know, just kind of going through it episode by episode. And uh, the, we're, what we're hoping to find out is if by the end of the journey, by the time we get back to the, to the end of the series, if I've managed to change his mind and convince him that the show is actually terrible, or if he's actually managed to convince me otherwise oh, that see. it's actually good. So, I see. So that's sort of the uh, the thesis of our podcast of like trying to look at a show from somebody else's perspective. What if you both just like conclude it feeling like 
Yeah, it's all right, I guess. <laughs> that is a distinct possibility. <laughs> it could be by the time we get to the end of it that we're both just like, oh, yeah, it was okay. It's all right. It's okay. It's all right. It balances yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the, uh, I'm also a member of Rooster Team Radio, where me and my co-hosts talk about Rooster Teeth-related shows. So cool. go and check all of those things out. I, I tweet about all of them. So, uh, yeah, go check those out and enjoy. Yes. And you can find us on the internet at Creature Feature Pod on Instagram, at Creature Feet Pod on Twitter. That's F-E-A-T, not F-E-E-T. That's something very different. You can find <laughs> me on Twitter. I am at Katie Golden. If you're interested in my Katie thoughts, they're not necessarily podcast related. They're just all my ramblings, all my Katie thoughts. Um, I'm also a pro bird rights where I put forth the idea that maybe we should just let birds take over the world you know just just once just we'll try it we'll try it on see how it fits and thank you guys so much for listening i know times are really tough right now so i am just always so i don't know just like so thankful you're choosing to listen to to my little podcast i really appreciate it and if you are enjoying the show if you want to like subscribe leave a comment or a rating that actually really helps me it first of all it makes me feel great feeds my enormous huge ego makes me feel uh really makes my day when i see a nice review and it also really helps me because podcasts are hosted on platforms where all these robots are like beep boop is your podcast good and then like doing ratings and reviews kind of it's like tells the robots that we're doing a good job and that really helps us. Thanks also to the Space Cossacks for their super gothic song, Exalumina. Creature Feature is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the show you just listened to, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or hey, wherever you get your ding-ding podcasts. See you next Wednesday. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more 
more info now. 